Well, I'd tell you to be seated, but I think most of you are already seated, so I appreciate you guys being here. And I know that I said this already, but I cannot express more clearly how awesome it is just to be with the body of Christ, even in a very different setting. Actually, it's kind of a fun way to do what we're doing. I don't know if it's as much fun for you, but uh, it's exciting for me, and I hope that you guys are just glad to be here. Uh, I did mention Mother's Day just a few minutes ago, and actually I assume everybody uh, read the sheets that you guys were given as y'all were coming in the parking lot. If you didn't, you should tune your radio to 99.1, which will give you the opportunity to listen to the service in your vehicles. We tested this last weekend, and I was thrilled with the uh, the quality that, that we received from it. So hopefully it'll be a blessing to you. But I mentioned that today is Mother's Day, and it is a great day for us to celebrate moms. Uh, I hope that if you have not already contacted your mom, if she is alive, I hope that you will do so uh, today, that you will make it a priority. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I opened up uh, by talking about The Great Escape. I'm not referring to the 1963 movie, uh, but rather Peter's great escape from prison as recorded in Acts chapter 12. Remember, he was in prison and he was surrounded by four squads of soldiers. He had, was chained up between two of them. There were other uh, soldiers at the gate and suddenly an angel wakes him up. The chains fall off, the doors open, and he walks out. And it's a great escape. Um, there was no planning, no preparation at all for this escape. It was simply the result of people praying. Today, we're going to talk about another opportunity for escape, but I cannot think of a better place to start than the power of a person praying for someone that they love. And I start there because of the fact that it is Mother's Day. As we celebrate Mother's Day, I, can, I cannot adequately express how valuable the prayers of a mother can be. And why do you think that is? She is in no way praying casually. When a mother prays for her children, she prays fervently, not casual because she loves her children too much. She wants them to prosper. She wants them to be made right with God. And often the struggles of a child are not all that different from what his or her parents have already gone through. So when the mom looks out and sees that her kid is struggling with something, she knows because she's been there before and she knows that they're going to need help. So she goes to the Lord in prayer for her children. If I have struggled with pride, selfishness, and immaturity, and I have discovered that Jesus Christ is the only way out, then doesn't it make sense that a mom or a parent would pray for her kid when she sees those things in her. So before I get into the message today, let me invite all of our moms to pray for their children. Maybe there are specific things that are going on today that you know that they are dealing with. Pray for them, that they would find healing and hope and guidance from Jesus Christ alone. More than that, pray that your children will develop a right relationship with God above all else. But I also invite you to pray for your mom. If she is no longer with us, take this as an opportunity to thank God for the woman that she was. Maybe it's a birth mother, or maybe it's a surrogate mother. You know there are many moms 
in our lives, and maybe we've never really looked at them in that way, but they've been spiritual moms to us, individuals who have given of themselves for the sake of you and for many others. Give thanks for the role that she has played in you becoming who you are today. And if she is still with us, pray that God will bless her and keep her, that he would reward her for her faithfulness. As I think of the heritage of this church, I cannot help but think of some of the godly women who played a significant role in the health of the church for a very, very long time. I know that there are many more than these, but I wonder what our church would look like today without the heritage of people like Sally and Marie and Martha Evett, incredibly godly women who knew the power of prayer. I want to take a moment, and I know I'm not into the message yet, but I do want us to pray for our moms and for those who are in that role right now. Lord, I pray that you would, first of all, I pray that you would put a hedge of protection around our moms. I pray that they would recognize that they are not in this alone, but that they have a strength and a support in you. I thank you for the sacrifices that they have made over the years. And many times they've given of themselves, not looking for any recognition, but just caring very deeply about the people in their lives. Lord, I pray that you would honor them and that you would bless them. For those who are still dealing with the role of motherhood, whether it be in an actual role of they are a mom or they are a surrogate mom who they might be the mom to a bunch of different people. Lord, I pray that you would help them to walk in your way so that those who look up to them, if they walk in their footsteps, that they would walk in the footsteps of one who is following Jesus. Lord, I pray for our children today. I pray for each of our kids who perhaps do not know you yet. And I pray that you would use us to reach into their lives, to show them what it is to be a child of God, not just to tell them about it, but to show them in the way we live our lives. And I pray that you would enable them to continually walk in a way that honors you. Some of them have gotten themselves into difficult situations today. Some of them are walking with great regret. Some of them are walking with great pride. I pray that you would intervene in our children's lives so that they might find that the only hope is found in you. Thank you again for our moms, and I pray that you would bless them today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, let me get into our text today. We're going to be in Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 34. So if you want to look that up there in your vehicle, that would be great. It is. It was not uncommon for the New Testament leaders to find themselves in prison. At least it seems that way. It wasn't because they were bad people. Instead, it was because they simply could not stop doing the work that Christ had called them to do. And sometimes that work was very much welcomed, while at other times it was not appreciated very much at all. As we approach Acts 16, we see that this time it's Paul and Silas who find themselves in prison, or about to be thrown into prison. Look at how it all begins in verse 16. Again, Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, 
These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. Well, it wouldn't take long before this slave's owner would realize that he had a problem. Although this woman had been enslaved by a spirit, which sounds like a bad thing, it was actually a very profitable thing as well for him. So he seeks to have Paul and Silas punished. They are beaten and they are arrested. Now, there are a couple of things that I want you to see within this particular passage. The first is this. Spiritual hope always acts. What I mean by that is that Paul and Silas realized that this was not just a fleshly battle, but this was a spiritual issue that was in play. This wasn't just an annoying woman who got under Paul's skin. Actually, what she was saying was true. And it may have even caused people to listen more intently as Paul and Silas spoke. After all, the people would pay money for this woman to tell them the truth as she spoke and said that these are the men who will point you to salvation. Many probably listened. They probably believed her when she declared that these men and women, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. But of course, Paul and Silas also didn't need her help to confirm who they were. Through Jesus Christ, they had the power to do that on their own. But this was also a woman who was controlled by a spirit. And Paul recognized that the only way for her to be delivered from an evil spirit was through spiritual means. So in the name of Jesus Christ, he commands this spirit to leave her. Now, I don't believe that there is an evil spirit that is sitting under every rock, but I also don't believe that spiritual battles are only something of the past. Instead, I would suggest to you today that there is still a spiritual battle that is going on around us. I believe that there are many who walk around every day spiritually either possessed or oppressed, and the only way out is through Jesus Christ. One avenue that we see this often today is in the area of addiction. How many of us have loved ones who are enslaved by addiction, feeling that there is absolutely no way out? How many of those loved ones have tried to find freedom and release from every secular source imaginable? They've been to rehabs, to 12-step programs, whatever you want to call it, only to find that it still isn't enough. I would suggest to you that often that is because it is not just a fleshly battle that is in play, but there is also a spiritual battle that is in play. I'm not saying that those secular resources, the 12-step programs, etc., that they aren't helpful resources. They can be. But realize that spiritual problems require spiritual answers. And what all of this means is that faith in Jesus Christ can set you free from addiction and bondage. Notice that I didn't just say addiction because I think sometimes we think of the individual who perhaps they're struggling with heroin or meth or cocaine or whatever it is. But the truth is bondage can look very different to different people. 
There are many people who are in bondage to things that other people think it's okay for them to do it. I know it seems silly to me and you, but the reality is there are many individuals who would look at, say, pornography and say, well, you're not really hurting anybody. It's just you, and it's, it doesn't really matter if you look at it. It's not that big a deal, but it is. The fact is there are many things that we do that they can hold us in bondage. Sin looks very different for different people, but it's still sin. Jesus Christ came to set people free, and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You know, it's kind of funny. I've heard people say that not everything is spiritual in nature. Maybe we shouldn't assume that this is a spiritual problem first. Wait, do you mean that it's okay for us to assume that it requires secular intervention, you need to get into a 12-step program. You need to get into a rehab facility. It's okay for us to look at their brokenness and be able to take a secular solution and say, this is where we need to start. It's okay for us to do that, but it's not okay for us to assume that there is a spiritual intervention that is needed as well. It seems odd to me. The point is that there is value in both mental health, those programs that we get a part of. There is value in that, but there is also value in spiritual health. And if you ever want to be truly healthy, then you'll probably need to address both sides. At times, this will mean dealing with your past and your pain, recognizing that there is brokenness in your life that must be addressed. Why is it that you can't trust individuals? Why is it that maybe you are not trustworthy yourself? Maybe there are things that have happened in your past that have fed that. You're going to have to deal with that side of it. But don't be naive and assume that there is not a spiritual element to this as well. The fact is, we can be set free and perhaps we need to be set free from more than just the earthly, fleshly side of things. We need to be set free spiritually as well. And that will only happen through Jesus Christ. So we now find Paul and Silas in prison. Look at verse 25 and 26 with me. It says, But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. Now, at this point in the story, Paul and Silas have been beaten. If you were to read the earlier part of chapter 16, you'll actually see that they, they have been beaten and flogged. They have been punished for their stance for Christ. Uh, the fact that they've cast this demon out, the fact that they are uh, proclaiming the good news of Christ, they are being punished for it. By the time we come to verse 25 here, they have been severely beaten, likely by prison guards themselves. Their freedom has been taken away. They are in a literal prison. And talk about annoying. You would expect them to be miserable at this point, grieving over how this day has turned out. You know, we got up this morning. It was a beautiful day. We thought it was going to be wonderful. And now look what happened. You expect them to be mad and brokenhearted. Maybe, maybe this whole Christ thing is just not worth the battle. But instead, they are praying and they are singing hymns together. Come on, can, can you really be happy 
at a time like this. Your entire world is falling apart. Nothing has happened the way you planned. And you're sitting in a prison cell singing. At this point, it's pretty dark out. You know that there's a chance because we know that they've been putting Christians to death. James has already been killed. Peter escaped, so he wasn't killed. But you're sitting in a prison cell. And instead of pouting and being sad and upset, you're singing hymns and praying. Have you ever been around someone who seemed to always be happy? It was as if they didn't realize that they were supposed to be sad. I remember a guy from the church that I grew up in. I don't really know what his name was, but I remember the joy that he had. In fact, I think most people just called him happy. Apparently, he had been in an accident at some point, and he had no legs, but that would not defeat him. Now, I'm certain that he knew how difficult life had been for him. The rest of us, we just walk right in. For him, uh, most of the time, he wasn't even in a wheelchair. He just used his arms and had a burlap sack type thing that he would slide around on. I'm sure he knew how tough life had been to him, but he also knew that he had much to be thankful for. In our current setting, it would be easy to look in misery upon all that is happening. We've got a pandemic that's going on around us. We've got tons of people, millions of people out of work. We've got weeks of isolation behind us with really no end in sight for some places around the country. But I want you to know that there is much for us to celebrate today. There is much for us to be grateful for today. In Paul and Silas's situation, it would have been easy for the darkness of that cell to blind them from the bigger picture. It would have been easy for the depression that naturally could set in to rob them of their hope. But that's not what happens. Instead, we see that emotional hope always acts. It is likely that they weren't the only prisoners that were in that cell that night. Can you imagine the impact of their joy on the other people in the prison? All right, there might have been a few of them that are thinking, dude, shut up, stop, we're tired of it. Do you not realize you're in a prison? But Paul and Silas just continue. And whether they knew all the words to the songs that they were singing, or they just started mumbling as if they knew the words, suddenly a hope began to dawn upon those who would have been in that prison. They probably mumbled their words, their way through the words, but the fellow prisoners probably joined right in. And in the midst of all of it, they revealed a faith that could overcome darkness and depression. I was reading an article last night about a pastor who in the midst of all of this isolation took his own life. You say, well, pastors can't do stuff like that. Well, we're not supposed to, but neither is anybody else. But sometimes it's so easy for us to get blinded by the darkness, by the loneliness, by the isolation. And we fail to realize that we are never truly alone. I want to encourage you, especially during this time, that I know that it has felt like you are alone, but you are not 
God is faithful and he will always be with you and he will always provide for you. I don't know for sure how long this is going to last. And my hope is that we are back to normal pretty quick. But regardless of when things go back to normal, I want you to know that my God will be faithful no matter what. What is it that weighs heavily on you today? Have you been hurt? Have you been betrayed perhaps by someone you love? Are you going through hard times? There is no doubt that these things can bring darkness and even depression. So I invite you to ask God to show you the other side of the situation. I would imagine that each of us have something worth living for, worth celebrating. Maybe it's the realization that God has given us many things that we've taken for granted. Maybe we've looked at it from an ugly side. We've failed to realize that we've actually got it pretty good. And in the midst of our brokenness, God has brought healing and he has continually met our needs anyways. We are loved and God has a purpose for you and me. Choose to bring joy in the midst of the darkness. Well, in the midst of a prayer meeting, as Paul and Silas worshiped the Lord, God performs a great miracle. We're told that suddenly an earthquake occurs. It's a natural occurring thing, but it doesn't always cause the prison doors to open and the chains to fall off. But that's exactly what happens here. Now, I need to tell you that considering Peter's miraculous escape just two weeks ago that we just talked about, none of this should surprise us. In that escape, an angel shows up and escorts him out. If an angel could do that while the guard slept, it shouldn't surprise us that God could cause an earthquake to set prisoners free. But what happens next does surprise me a bit. If you've been in prison and you know that there's a good chance when the sun comes up, you might be killed because of your faithfulness to Christ. Suddenly the chains fall off, the gates open. What do you do? Most of us get up and we run. This is our chance. The Lord has opened up a door for us. But instead, when the chains fall off and the gates open, the prisoners stay put. They don't even try to escape. Instead, they come to the rescue of the prison guard. Look at it, beginning in verse 27. It says, And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your whole household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Paul and his companions 
could have easily fled for their lives that night. Likewise, Paul could have waited until the guard had killed himself, and then they could have simply walked out. You don't even have to run, just enjoying the cool of the night. But Paul knew that he served a transformational God who desired to change even this guard who had likely punished Paul and Silas earlier in the day. Paul knew that transformational hope always acts. I got to do something with what I got. God has transformed me. Remember, Paul was the guy who he was, he was not a good man. He did things that he himself regretted. He called himself the chief of sinners, but he knew that he served a transformational God. And if God could redeem me from the life that I have lived, then surely God could redeem this prison guard. So he cries out to the guard, sparing the guard's physical life. And the guard responds with grace and humility. Runs to Paul and to Silas, falling at their feet. And then he offers that question. Sirs, tell me what must I do to be saved? I can't help but wonder if maybe that question had already been going through his mind as he stood guard over these eternally optimistic and joyful men, knowing the abuse that they had received and perhaps he had even given, seeing so many other prisoners over the years sitting in a prison cell, sulking in their sorrow, and then listening to them as they displayed incredible faith and joy in Christ. Their steadfast faith that they had in God had to speak volumes to this man. As he sat in silence in the darkness of the night, did he wish that he had whatever these men had as well? I want to stop for a second and ask you the same question. There are other people that have walked alongside you and they have seen the way you live your life. Tell you the truth, it's easy for them to look upon our lives, especially when everything's going well in our lives, and say, you know what, that individual clearly has the Spirit of God in them. I mean, they're joyful, everything's great in their lives. Man, you can tell they really love the Lord. What about when things aren't so good? What about when things are happening that we don't want anything to do with, when there's pain and brokenness do people still look at us at that moment and still say, you can tell the Spirit of God is alive in him or her? Does it still speak to them about the hope that we have, that perhaps they could have that same hope? When other people betray you, do you still have that same joy and that peace about what God can do? Clearly, Paul and Silas did. The Roman guard who had been taught that there were many gods and that any allegiance beyond allegiance to Caesar was wrong suddenly finds himself pleading for his salvation. What a beautiful image, reminding us that if God could redeem this guard, who was probably hardened by this point in his life, if God could redeem this guard then surely God could redeem you and I. In this case, the Roman guard discovers a faith that overcomes fear and false gods. 
What would tomorrow morning hold for this guard? What would it hold for, P for Paul and for Silas? When the sun comes up, this guard will have to face a world that he suddenly sees very differently. Certainly, this guard would have no idea what he would face. But God was changing who he was in that moment, and he couldn't deny what was taking place. Whatever fears he had, his faith would be what would carry him through, and the false gods would no longer dominate his life. By the way, there is some belief that this guard would play an important role in the church in this particular area, we'll actually see where Paul would go and minister. And as he would go and minister, he would minister to those who were in the new church that had formed in this town. Wonder who it would have included. Wonder if it would have included someone like this. Paul responds to his question. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved you and your, old, your entire household. This statement sounds so simple, but there is much more to it than it sounds. When Paul calls on him to believe, he is talking about much more than just having a head knowledge of the reality of Christ. He is talking about a belief that will lead to action. Doing more than just saying I'm a believer, but showing that you are a believer. We're talking about transformation. And Paul could speak to that because he himself had experienced that. Because again, he wasn't a good guy. The chief of sinners knew what it was to be transformed. The same invitation and call are extended to us today. God is still calling us to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ with the promise of salvation. But that belief needs to be more than just head knowledge. It needs to be more than just you saying, yeah, I read about it and I said some prayer somewhere along the way. We're talking about placing our trust fully in him and not just accepting him as our savior, but as our Lord, meaning now he is in control. He's the one who dictates where I go. He's the one who dictates what I say. He's the one who dictates everything about me. That's the transformational life that Paul and Silas are calling this guard to, and that's the transformational life that God is calling you to right now. This invitation and call is extended to us now, but that belief must be something that transforms who we are. By the way, I didn't read the rest of the story. Uh, the next morning, Paul and Silas are actually set free. This is not their last supper that they eat with the prison guard here as he feeds them. God does bless and he does open up great doors and God will do great things in their life. I cannot guarantee you that life will always turn out the way you and I want it to. I would love to tell you that by next week we'll have a vaccine for this virus and we'll never have to deal with the difficulty that it causes, that everything will go back to normal and everything will be fine. But I'm going to tell you it's probably not going to happen that way. What I will tell you is I have found my hope in Jesus Christ already. And regardless of what I experience tomorrow, I'm going to be okay. That guard had made that decision that night. When he got down on his knees, a man who would have probably been filled with incredible pride. He was a Roman soldier. He was someone of authority. 
probably never imagined that he'd find himself on his hands and knees in front of two prisoners, Paul and Silas. But that's exactly where he ended up. He humbled himself and he said, tell me what I need to do to be saved. What would it take for me to be changed, to be set free, to be made new? And I'm going to tell you today that there is a world around us that needs that kind of humility and transformation. Maybe it can begin here with us. Perhaps there's someone here that doesn't know Christ today. I don't know. You're out here in the middle of a pandemic in the parking lot. Maybe everybody out here does know Christ already. Maybe for some of us, we have had a head knowledge, though, as opposed to a heart knowledge of who Christ is. And maybe for some of us, we need to move past just being able to say, I said some prayer at some point, but reaching the point where we declare and we determine with the way we live our lives that I will never be the person that I was before, for I will be transformed into the likeness of Christ. And if good things happen, I will rejoice. If bad things happen, I will rejoice over the fact that Christ is still faithful and working in me. If you would bow your heads with me. Father, as we come before you today, we are so grateful for the stories of people like Paul and Silas, individuals who suffered. Things didn't happen the way that they probably wanted, but in the midst of it, they found peace and joy, and they became a light to others in the darkness. Lord, I pray that you would allow us to be the light in the darkness around us. There's a world of individuals who know brokenness way too well. It seems as if everywhere they turn, there's another problem. But we serve a God who is bigger than our problems. And today, I simply ask that you would take our brokenness and give us peace and healing. Lord, I pray that you would set us free, that we would know your victory, and we would know the peace of God that passes all understanding. Father, I pray that you would use us in the lives of those who need light in the darkness. Allow us to become a reflection of you so that your light would shine through us. And that pride can be pushed aside, that it can be broken down, that individuals can surrender their will and their lives to you. Lord, I just pray that you would use us to reach people in the darkness today. Again, I thank you for our mothers. I thank you for those who have modeled for us Christ. I thank you for my mom. I thank you that having her family in church was a priority. I thank you for the model that she was to us and she still is. I thank you for the many other people who played that role in my life. People who have invested in me, believed in me, who have loved me. Lord, I pray that you would bless them and provide for them greatly. Lord, I pray today that this would just be an opportunity for us to express how much we love them. If they don't know you, I pray that today would be the day that you'd reach into their lives. Let us share with them the love that we have for them and the love that you have for them. 
Lord, I pray that you would bless us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In just a minute, I'm going to have the worship.